live and streaming on the web since 1996. This is the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Showcasing beloved favorites and forgotten gems, this is The Archive with Jason Jury on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network.
from Ramsgate in Kent, England, it's a very warm welcome once again to the second part of this edition of the Cinematic Sound Radio Podcast's Archive Show. I am your host, Jason Drury, podcaster extraordinaire, producer, fan of Sparrowlot, and member of the IFMCA, thanking you very much for joining us once again. Before we continue another crawl through film with its past and near present, I must not forget our Cinematic Sound Radio Patreons. I tried to, but they're still there. If you want to join the Cinematic Sound Radio podcast patron, then please head over to patreon.com slash cinematic sound radio. I'd also like it if you could rate and review the show. We do like to read what you think of this cobbled together mess. I may even read the review out on the show, if I dare. And of course, if you're listening and not yet listened to part one of the show, as always, I admire your rebellious attitude. We started part two of the show with a cue, imaginarily titled Prologue slash Opening City Music, composed by Fred Moreau for the classic 1973 sci-fi ecological dystopian thriller Soylent Green, directed by Richard Fleischer and starring Charlton Heston, Lee Taylor Young and Edward G. Robinson in his final film role. The film is a mind-blowing 50 years old this year, which is 2023 at time of recording, and keeps becoming more relevant year by year. With the cue, we've just heard, underscoring the film's opening sequence, depicting America becoming more crowded with a series of archive photographs set to Myro's music, created by filmmaker Charles Braverman. Now, I would like to continue the show, but first, I feel a song coming on. Pardon what's that right over Deep down hope that's not what I think it is. Shit! Oh my god! They share the DNA of frogs! What a good idea! What a bad idea! What could possibly go wrong? The electric fence is no defense for a dinosaur with teeth! And if Goldblum warms up the dangers post, then he goes and breaks his knee. It's a massive part, it's a massive part. What could possibly go wrong? Everyone gets killed except the great Sam Neill, who's obsessed, who's obsessed, who's obsessed, who is obsessed, who's obsessed. They evolved into That was Mr. Swallow performing on the British comedy show shown on Channel 4, 8 out of 10 cats that countdown, performing an interpretation of the Jurassic Park theme with lyrics. I played this because the film is celebrating its 30th anniversary. I think it's funny and I thought it may like a listen. And 
recently La La Land Records, in their wisdom, decided to release the music of Jurassic Park's sequel in expanded form, entitled The Lost World, if you did not know that already. The film, if you have somehow forgotten, was directed by Steven Spielberg from a screenplay by David Cope and starred Jeff Goldblum with all limbs intact, Julianne Moore, Pete Puffersweight and Alice Howard. Four years after the original film, John Hammond loses control of his company InGen to his nephew Peter Ludlow. On the verge of bankruptcy, Ludlow intends to exploit dinosaurs from InGen's second island, Idlasaurus, with plans for a new dinosaur theme park in San Diego. Hammond sends a team, led by Ian Malcolm, to the island to document the dinosaurs and encourage non-interference, although the two groups eventually come into conflict. Now, John Williams' score for this bears little resemblance to his predecessor and is unlike any other score he composed to date. Yes, we may still hear music from the great man, even though he's into his 90s. Gone are the awestruck choir and sense of mood of uplifting discovery. Instead, the reliance on thematic elements are kept to a minimum and the score is dominated by percussion. This, according to Williams, was Spielberg's idea. The music was driven by drums and ethnic texture. Much of the action Williams did was driven by this. That was the foundation of an epic adventure score in which the sense of imminent mortal danger is practically relentless. The influence of Max Steiner's King Kong is evident, as is the approach Henry Mancini took for the action sequences in Atari. An excellent example of this approach was for the film's T-Rex sequence. As in the first Jurassic Park, T-Rex sequence is so convincing at times that it was decided that no music was required to score the scene. Scoring instead enters with the cue on the glass, which signals the start of a tour de force action piece on a cliff edge. Low rumbling and dissonance is used to great effect, working in contrast with the icy crackles of slowly shattering panes of glass. Driving rhythms return as Eddie arrives, building into the mercilessly nail-biting cue, rescuing Sarah. The central segment of this cue omitted from the original album includes the literal death nails that accompany the return of the two T-Rexes. The cue builds to a dramatic ending when a hand reaches out to Sarah. We are now going to play this segment of score while featuring an alternate version of the cue rescuing Sarah, which features a slightly different orchestration to what is heard in the film.
Rosewood accuse on the glass and rescuing Sarah from 1997's Lost World Jurassic Park. The visual score composed and conducted by John Williams and performed by the Hollywood Studios Symphony. The visual soundtrack recording, which has been recently released on a new remastered two disc set with additional alternate cues like what you have just heard, produced, edited and mastered by the great Mike Matissano for La La Land Records. The home for beloved favourites and forgotten gems, this is The Archive with Jason Jury on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. I feel the release of James Horner scores these days are a bit like London buses. Nothing turns up for a number of weeks or even years and suddenly a load come at once, like Deadly Blessing, Gorky Park from the first show, and suddenly soon after, this one. Wind Talkers, the 2002 war film, directed and co-produced by the master of action films John Woo and starred Nicolas Cage, Adam Beach, Peter Stormare, Noah Eberich, Mark Ruffalo and Christian Slatter. The film was based on a real story of Navajo cold takers during World War II. It was a film that focused, unlike many of John Will films, on human relationships, and that drew Horner to the project. In an interview with a French magazine Dreams, the composer explained, quote, Without the emotional dimension of the characters, I wouldn't have accepted this project. The challenge was to take these two aspects, war and man, and go in two opposite musical directions, unquote. Neither composer nor director was interested in the umpteenth cliché gun-ho patriotic war film score, said Horner. Woe wanted Horner to recapture the energy of Legends of the Fall. There are similarities in the notion of heroism, lyricism and spirituality, but these are two very different epics, the composer went on to say. The atmosphere is not at all the same, and it could have been dangerous to get too close. So I convinced John Roo to let me handle the musical style, and we became very close friends as a result. Now what we're going to play for you is music from one of the film's major battle sequences, a two-part, 13-minute piece, well it is James Horner, called Marine Assault. Thank the world's linear notes for the cue, would describe it far better than I would ever do. Quote, The underscore for the assault is initially sober, almost angelic. But once Horner lets the orchestra loose, the onslaught is relentless. Churning low strings, pounding percussion and aggressive brass fight for dominance, with the main theme struggling to emerge. A passage of two-part string counterpoint introduces a brief respite, during which rhythm becomes a driving force, with a tense ostinato moving everything forward. String lines continue to play off one another, and the development of the principal motif leads to a searing segment of percussion and electronics midway through the queue. The concluding segment of this broad architectural span momentarily dispels all the fury with a kind of emotional warmth that emphasises what Horner brought to this film, using strings, 
and will bring colours to great effect. Unquote. Got that? And let's have a listen.
That was the two-part cue Marine Assault for the 2002 Warfield Wind Talkers. The original score composed and conducted by James Holder and performed by the Hollywood Studio Symphony Orchestra. The original soundtrack recording has been recently released in a three-disc set. Oh, Mr. Fake, you are spoiling us from Intrado Records. Now, I wonder if another James Holder release will be down the pipe soon. I'm sure you would know by now. This is The Archive with Jason Jury on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Next up on the show is music from a composer who really should have been on this show ages ago, and it's a crime that I've not featured him on the archive until now. Japanese composer Joe Hizaki has become synonymous with the magical Studio Ghibli animations of director Hayao Miyazaki. Recently, an album has been released by Dolce Gramophone featuring a series of symphonic arrangements of his original soundtracks for such Ghibli classics as Spirited Away, Princess Monoki, and My Neighbor Totoro. Fittingly titled... A symphonic celebration, music from the Studio Ghibli films of Hayao Marazaki. It was recorded in London with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra for an album released in June 2023. Mamoru Fushishawa, known professionally as Joe Hizaki, is known for over known for scoring over 100 films and solo albums dating back to 1981. Hizaki's music has been known to explore and incorporate different genres, including Minimalist, experimental electronic, Western classical, and Japanese classical. He's been associated with director and animator Hayao Miyazaki since 1984, composing scores for all but one of Miyazaki's films. The music we are going to play now on this show is a symphonic variation of two cues from Howl's Moving Castle, Merry Go Round and Cave of Mind, the 2004 film loosely based on a 1986 novel of the same name by British writer Diane Wynne-Jones. The film is set in a fictional kingdom where both magic and early 20th century technologies are prevalent, against a backdrop of a war with another kingdom. It tells the story of Sophie, a young milliner, who is turned into an elderly woman by a witch who enters her shop and curses her. She encounters a wizard named Hal and gets caught up in his resistance to fighting for the king. So here now is a symphonic variation of two cues from Howl's Moving Castle, Merry Go Round and Cave of Mind, composed by Joe Hizaki and performed by the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra.
That was symphonic variation of two cues, Merry-Go-Round and Cave of Mind from Howl's Moving Castle, original score composed by Joe Izaki and performed by the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra, taken from the wonderful showcase of the composer Joe Izaki's talents. A symphonic celebration, music from the Studio Ghibli films of Hayao Miyazaki, released in June 2023 and available on CD and digital platforms from Dolce Gamophone Records. And if that was your first time listening to the music of Joe Hizaki, this release is highly recommended. The home for beloved favourites and forgotten gems, this is The Archive with Jason Jury on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Puppet Master is an American horror film series which focuses on a group of anthropomorphic puppets animated by an Egyptian spell. Each equipped with his own unique and dangerous device and are represented as heroes, anti-heroes and antagonists. The franchise was created by Charles Band and Kenneth J. Hall and consists of 15 films, 11 mainline, one crossover, a reboot and two spin-offs. Now recently, in Twilight Records, they've released three scores from the series in one set, the 9th, 10th and 11th, called, collectively, the Axis of Evil Trilogy. The puppets, first cast as villains, are reconfigured as the righteous avengers of the red, white and blue. The puppets' murderous antics paled when compared to the evil plans of the fascist fifth column. Rating from 2010 to 2017, the World War II-themed trilogy, Puppet Master Axis of Evil, Axis Rising and Axis Termination produce some of the series' most intriguing entries. But what we're going to concentrate here is music from the first film, Axis of Evil, directed by David DeConto, which is about a young man with the help of the puppets or stop the Nazis who attack his family and kidnap his girlfriend. The music is scored, as with all the Puppet Master scores, by Charles Band's brother, Richard Mann. Evil Score is distinguished by its overall suspenseful tone, which is set by band spin of his main title. A flourish of ancient flared percussion, the theme has a magical yet malevolent quality, but is later asserted by a female chorus, all burning up to the final battle as military snares and other percussion underscore these small soldiers with bomb-ticking urgency. The music rises with lethal satisfaction as the Nazis are torn apart with a cliffhanging crescendo. So here now is music from Puppet Master Axis of Evil, composed by Richard Band.
That was music from the 2010 action horror film Puppet Master Axis of Evil with original score composed, orchestrated and performed by Richard Band. The original soundtrack recording has been released as part of a free disc set which includes the complete Axis of Evil trilogy, Axis of Evil, Axis Rising and Axis Termination by Intrada Records. Mr. Fake, you're so boring us these days. It's just too much, too much. And with that, we've now sadly come to the end of part two of this edition of the Archive on the Cinematic Sound Radio podcast. I leave you with a score which this year, 2023, is celebrating amazingly its 10th anniversary. Where have those years gone, I say? Star Trek Into Darkness from 2013, directed by J.J. Abrams and written by Roberto Orkey and its cutsman and Damon Lindelof, the 12th instalment in the Star Trek franchise, and the sequel to the 2009 film Star Trek, as the second in the rebuilted film series set in the Kelvin universe. It starred Chris Pine, reprising his role as Captain Kirk, with Zachary Quinto, Simon Pegg, Carl Urban, Suri Santana, John Cho, Anton Yeltsin, Bruce Greenwood, and Leonard Nimoy reprising their roles from the previous film. Benedict Cumberbatch, Alice Eve and Peter Weller were also in the film's principal cast. It was Nimoy's final appearance before his death in 2015. 
Set in the 21st century, the film follows Kirk and the crew of the USS Enterprise as they are sent to the Klingon homeworld, seeking the former Starfleet member turned terrorist John Harrison. The score, as in the first film, was composed by Michael Giacchino and it features one of his memorable end title pieces, which includes the cue London Calling in the middle of, of the piece. The most un-Star Trek cue you'll ever hear in this series and was first heard by me, unusually, on a BBC film music prom when film music proms were treated more seriously than they are these days. So to end part two of this edition of the Archive on the Cinematic Zone Radio podcast, here are the cues, current enterprises and end credits from the 2013 sci-fi adventure sequel Star Trek Into Darkness, the original score composed by Michael Giacchino and performed by the Hollywood Studio Symphony, conducted by Tim Simonek, and incorporates the original Star Trek theme composed by Alexander Courage. The original soundtrack recording was released by Verez Saraband Records. Thank you very much for joining us once again. I do hope you enjoyed both parts of this edition of the Archive on the Cinematic Sound Radio podcast. And to meet again, for me, Jason Drury, is take care and happy listening.
Thank you for tuning in to the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. I want to thank Tim Burden for providing his voice for all the bumpers and stingers you hear throughout the program, and David Cosina for providing Cinematic Sound Radio's theme music. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please email us at cinematicsound at yahoo.com. You can find us on social media at Sound Radio on Twitter and Cinematic Sound on Facebook. And if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please take a moment right now to rate the show and write a brief review. Reviews help introduce potential listeners to the show. And while you're at it, head over to TeePublic to get a Cinematic Sound Radio t-shirt. And don't forget to check out Cinematic Sound Radio at cinematicsound.net. <laughs>